I'm Kieran Valley. And I'm Kate Valley. And this is Friday Night at Blockbuster, the podcast about our favorite, the best, you know, movies of the last... Whichever ones we feel like which, doing. Whichever movies we feel like talking about from the 2000s. I think the joke that we've kind of been running with over the last few weeks is that the movies we were talking about, Twilight and Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull... We're not necessarily our favorite movies from the 2000s. Or the best movies. Or the best movies. This week, I think the joke will be that this is not one of the biggest movies of the 2000s. Because uh, the box office total for this movie, and and in fact this entire franchise, is very small. I was going to ask because when you recommended this to me years ago, I had never heard of it. I'd never heard of the trilogy, never even heard kind of talk about it. And I think when I talked to other people, they also had never really heard of it. So I think this one just flew under the radar, which I'm kind of surprised now having watched it again for the podcast. So. Well, it's so like the, the title's in the title. Everyone knows what movie we're talking <laughs> yeah. about. We're talking about Before Sunset, although I'm sure the conversation will involve the other two Before movies. And like, all I have to say to that is, if you know, you know. And this trilogy is a if you know, you know trilogy. And I remember getting a hold of um, the first two movies back when I was, I don't know, 16, 17 years old, before the third one came out anyways, and just being blown away by how great I thought the first two movies were, and then getting to see the third movie in theaters, and just being like, they did it. They did it. This, like, if you catch me on a certain day, I will say this is my favorite trilogy of all time. Yeah, I think what surprised me, like I said years ago when you recommended it, is you sold it to me and it is a romantic i don't even know when say necessarily comedy there's no, not a just, lot it's just it's, a romance it's just a romance it's movie. a romance yeah. a romance movie and i looked at kieran and i was like you like a romance movie like I, who I, are you right now because I, I was shocked um but yeah you followed up that it's really the only romance that you actually enjoy well, maybe at the time oh, okay. when I first sold, now nah, I have since discovered other romantic movies that I'm sort of like, God damn, that is really good. Um, but yeah, I contain multitudes, Kate. I know last week we sort of teased the wrong movie. I yeah. Think. Yeah. We teased that we were going to do a Tom Cruise movie. Uh, we sort of got our dates mixed up and that's, you know, how, how organized we are over here. You know, you have a newborn baby and I am the least organized person I know. Yeah. So that <laughs> you was... Have, you have the new job. <laughs> yeah, that was bound to happen. Uh, we're going to do a Tom Cruise movie next week. This week, because I was able to see past lives, I was like, you know what? This is the week, I think, to do the before movies because I sort of had a feeling that past lives would have a little bit in common with the before movies. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, like it's, it's right up the alley. Um, I was really blown away by past lives. So there, there's another romance movie that I can, I can recommend to people. Although like past lives is a bit different because it's definitely romantic. Uh, but like, it is a little bit different in terms of like, it's not about one guy and one girl and like, will they or won't they? There is the complication of a husband is involved as well. Oh, okay. And, and so then it's sort of like, well, she has already found a romance. And, you know, now will she give up this romance that she has for this romance that she, you know, thinks might be there or whatever? Or, you know, is this destiny, is this fate with this guy that she's known since she was a child? Or, you know, and the, the husband 
to to quote him from the movie, he says something along the lines of like, I would be in a movie, he would be the villain. He'd be the evil white husband who is like stopping destiny from happening. And so, yeah, Past Life is really great. It was really fantastic. And it brought up the fact that we have not done a foreign language movie on the podcast yet. And so that's going to have to happen soon. Okay. Uh, we have the next two weeks, I think, planned out. So maybe after... After that? After that. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to give you something so fucked up. Oh, great. <laughs> but, um, To look at the franchise that we're here to talk about, the movies that we're here to talk about. The Before Trilogy. The Before yes. Trilogy. Before Sunset came out on November 9th, 2004. I definitely was not up on these movies when I was 14 years old. Uh, I think I came to them just a little bit later. But I think we definitely need to talk at least about the first one in conjecture with the second. And so the first one, what are your, sort of your thoughts? What are your feelings on Before Sunrise? I remember watching it, maybe not necessarily the first time, but I've gone back and for the podcast this week, I've watched all three to kind of refresh my memory. I just thought it was a really cool concept that these two people meet on a train because there was a German couple who was fighting about something. Um, Typical, really. Right. Typical. <laughs> and she moves away from them. So, and then he kind of looks at her and is just like, oh, you're pretty. You're interesting in some way. And I just think the romantic person in me loved the idea that he would have enough gumption, enough balls, enough whatever to say, I'm flying out tomorrow morning. I'm just going to wander around the city tonight. Do you want to hang out with me and just look at Vienna? And she's just like, sure. And so they just spend the night wandering the city and just having conversations and things like that. And like the romantic in me just loved that. Have you ever had a before sunrise sort of moment or night? Like, I, I don't imagine that you've ever gotten off the train with a stranger <laughs> in a European city. But I just mean in terms of like, you know, the daydreaming person in me. Or? Well, but like, like I think the the whole idea of a like a one night or you know a one day or something like that, where it's sort of like that then shapes how you move forward. And, and you know I mean, like you sort of look back on that experience with one person, or you know, it could even be a, a few people where you're sort of just like, oh yeah, like that was a little bit crazy, a little bit wild, but also like magical. I don't think I have actually. The daydreamer in me has definitely like made up stories before. It's not even usually about myself when I see other people on trains and I see other people interacting. I'm just like, oh, I wonder if they knew each other beforehand. I wonder if this is the first time, like whatever. And so I daydream and make up stories about other people. Have you had a before moment? Well, like not necessarily like this in the movie, but I've definitely had nights where all of a sudden, like, you think one thing is going to happen or you think like, oh, okay, I'm just going to, you know, go to this bar or go to this friend's house or, or whatever. And it's going to be, you know, the same as it always has been sort of thing. And then you meet somebody or you meet a group of people and then all of a sudden you're taken somewhere else. And then all of a sudden you're taken somewhere else. And, then, you know, you don't get home until eight in the morning or something. And like that has definitely happened. Um, now, it's never been a romantic thing like it is in this movie, but I've definitely had nights where I get home the next day and you look back on the night being like, wow, like I did 
not expect anything like that I to happen. I thought I was going over to play video games. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, I've, I've been traveling solo now for the last little while. I've done a few solo trips. And like, I, I can't help but think every time I step on a train or a bus or an airplane or, you know, sit in the airport or whatever, I always think back on this movie in terms of like, I wonder if somebody came and sat beside me right now like, would we spark up a conversation that then just kept on rolling for a day or two? Or, you know, would it just end? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that's that's the thing about this movie is that they quite clearly just enjoy the conversation. There's obviously some, like, attractiveness to them. Like, they're both attracted to each other. But I think it is it is purely the conversation that keeps them hanging around and keeps them, you know unraveling more and more and wanting to hang out with this person and then all of a sudden you're like you're in it and yeah. and you can see that in the characters where it's sort of like they probably could have said goodbye and gone their separate ways and never thought about each other until like a certain point and then once they cross that point it's like oh no like you're now in that person's head forever you, you know you will be an indelible memory forever and um i think this like the before sunrise movie just captures that so well yeah, I would be interested to hear, so we had some cousins who have done some solo traveling in the past year, and I would be interested to hear from them now if they had any kind of moment like this, because I think our cousin Clara, not necessarily a romantic thing, but met people and then was like, well, I was going to go here, but they're all going to this next town so next, now, now I'll, go oh, with I'll, them. Just, I'll just tag yeah, along with them exactly. and do that and stuff, so. Exactly. Yeah. I think it is like, it's one of those things when you're traveling a little bit of like, I think it's good to sort of... Be a bit an, flexible. Yeah, like have an idea of like, okay, I'd, I'd really like to see or do these things. But then at the same time, leave yourself open to like, well, if something happens, I'm going to go with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you've been to Vienna? I have not. Oh, you didn't no. go. Oh, I thought you did go on, on your sort of Eastern European swing. No, I think we went through it. Um, But no, we never stopped in it. So... It looks incredible. It does look incredible. I will say... This, and this all is three, 90s Vienna. Yeah, I will say all three movies do... Well, n yes, 90s Vienna. I think all three movies do a good job at just letting the city that they're in kind of be the city. They're not going to the big tourist spots, really. They're not... There's not, well, like, big parades or, like, well, big I festivals or anything like that, right? Like, they're just wandering the small parts of the town i think that's so. mostly because of the budget of the yeah, movie they couldn't, agree, they but... couldn't afford to film in a festival <laughs> or organize a parade um but we will get to the second one is obviously in paris and so we'll, we'll get to a point about paris in, in a bit um but yeah i agree like i love that the cities are just like they're they're obviously the setting of the story but then they do become a, a sort of character in terms of like you're wandering the alleys, you're want, you know, you're, yeah. you're running into random people, things like that. Like, um, I was laughing because every time I start before sunrise and they meet the two German actors who are in the play, yes, I always have the thought of like, oh, I can't wait to get to the scene about the play with the, with well, the cow. Yeah. And then they never go. And you're sort of just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Cause like. You do. You just bump into people and I think you, know, you like, have a five minute conversation and you move on. Yeah, I think it was like in the last 10 minutes before they realized that they never made it to the yeah, play. Yeah, I had that realization. I was like, oh yeah, we never saw the play. They never like, go to the play. They never go to the play. Yeah. 
I'd so, love to see the play with the smoking cow. Yeah. My only thing that I qu- questioned in Before Sunrise, he talks about how he doesn't have enough money to get a hotel room or something for the night. But then he seems to spend a lot of money throughout the night. <laughs> yeah, I, but I don't think he does, really. Okay. Like, I think it's all very small amounts of money. It just um, sounds like a lot. It just sounds like a lot. It's also 90s uh, Eastern Europe. So, like, I don't know what the... I think it was marks. The, yeah, and, like, the, but I don't yeah. know what the currency exchange is. Yeah. Like, you know, he, he hands over money, but, like, I have no bearing or no understanding of how much that that actually is. At the same time... I think if you were able to convince somebody to come off the train with you, you're not then going to be like, yeah, let's go hang out in my hotel room. That's true. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) if you sold them on the idea of like, I'm going to wander the city for a night before I fly home. Do you want to just come with me and wander the city? And we'll just, you know, keep this conversation going. We should say like, they have a good conversation on the train. That's why he invites her off the train. (laughs) Um, It's not a a random thing. (laughs) Now it is Ethan Hawke. Like, I'm sure he could have convinced a lot of people in the nineties to randomly come off the train with him. Um, but yeah, I think, I think if, if you would convince somebody to come off the train and wander the city, you aren't then going to spring the fact that you do have a hotel room on them. Yeah. Uh, partway through. Cause I think that would be an exit point for a lot of people. It'd be like, ah, no, I'm not doing that. I think the, the thing about before sunrise sort of before we move into, into sunset now, I think the, the big difference between the two of them, is I always look at Before Sunrise as a bit of a fantasy romance. Okay. Whereas Before Sunset is, for me, much more realistic, much more grounded. And I I think the fantasy is something that we were just obviously talking about, where it's like two strangers meet on a train. They have a good conversation. One of them says, come off and let's wander the city for 12 hours. And they just keep the conversation rolling and then, you know, they fall in love halfway through, things like that. There are other parts where it's sort of like, I think the fantasy of this movie then affects my own romantic take on this movie. When they run into the poet who says like, you know, I don't want to just beg for money. I'll write you a poem. Give me a word. I'll write you a poem and I'll insert the word in somewhere. And then if you like the poem... You can pay me. Give me a donation. Yeah, you can pay me for it. Yeah. Every time that scene comes up in this movie, I think to myself, I could do that. And like, I know I can't. I know I cannot do that. But I always think to myself that I can. And I think it's because this movie sells this whole like romantic being of sort of wandering through Europe and meeting random people and, and doing all these things that like, we don't normally get to do in our day-to-day lives where it's sort of like you get wrapped up in, in, in the whole thing. And then you think to yourself, yeah, I could do that. I could do that. And it's like, no, absolutely not. I was going to ask you, I think they talk about in that particular scene, does the poet have kind of the generic poem? Yeah. The outline, the outline. And he just inserts whatever word word and stuff. And so I was going to ask you, do you think he does that? Or do you think it is a genuine new poem for each well again like are you acidic or are you romantic when you watch this movie no i'm i'm always a romantic when i watch this movie i'm a cynic in my life but i'm a romantic when i watch these movies and so i am going to believe that he came up with that poem on the spot because like the word that they gave him is not an easy word no they gave him milkshake milkshake 
And he finds a pretty good way of putting that into the into the poem, into the story that he's telling. And so I'm I'm going to believe that he comes up with that on the spot. He is genuine. And um yeah, but Ethan Ethan Hawke was not sold. No. No. <laughs> Speaking of Ethan Hawke, just before we move on, I've obviously talked about actors that I love on this podcast. People who it's like, oh, they're in this movie, I'm going to watch it, sort of thing. I think re-watching these movies, and there are a few other movies in, in my head rattling around about the same time as Before Sunrise. I think Ethan Hawke, the person, maybe not Jesse, the character in this movie, although Jesse in this movie is, I think, quite closely related to, to Hawke. Like, I think Ethan Hawke obviously had a lot to do with writing the character and coming up with things. And so I think they're they're quite obviously connected. But I think Ethan Hawke, the person may have had the biggest influence on me really that any sort of actor or musician or anything like that has had in terms of shaping my own personality and i think re-watching you know these two movies um there's another movie reality bites where he's like he's a bit more of a prick in reality bites but again like the bones are all kind of there and i think there's just this thing about ethan hawk that when you when you hear him interviewed or you know, talk to people or, you know, whatever press he's doing, he's always talking about like new movies that he's watching or books that he's reading or things that he's interested in. And he, you know, he's, he just pursues everything sort of at like a hundred percent. And he obviously makes these movies and TV shows where it's like, yeah, they're going to pay him a lot of money because then he then turns around and makes something like this where he probably got no money for this. He probably got zero money for this, but like, this character in these movies will be in the opening paragraph of his obituary in hopefully yeah. many, many years. You know what I mean? Like this, this character, Jesse is like, is the Ethan Hawke character, I think at this point. And I think he just, he's in it for the experiences. He's the, he makes movies and TV shows to work with interesting people and do interesting things. Do something and, a bit different. Do yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. And I think like, obviously this was the first movie that he made with Richard Linklater, but like they would go on now to make, I think, I think they're up to eight movies together. And I mean, like they obviously have a connection. They have a a similar way of, of working or, you know, a compatible way of working. But I I think, I think the whole thing about how Ethan Hawke sort of goes through life with his interests and his hobbies has had like a big impact on me personally. And so, you know, going back to these movies, it's, it's kind of all right there. So it's a little appreciation, little yeah. appreciation moment. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's just something about Ethan Hawke where it's sort of like, I think he's just like a really cool guy. Yeah. I don't want to be the prick that he is from, from Reality <laughs> Bites, but like. You want to be the before, yeah, before the before, trilogy yeah, man. I, again, <laughs> probably a more romantic version of who Ethan Hawke actually is. But yeah, we can, we can move on to Before Sunset because that's obviously the movie in our decade. Yes. So that's the movie that we were, we're here to talk about. So like I said, November 9th, 2004, that was the DVD release. Sort of just where do you want to start? I think the, the hard thing to really like break down these movies is that like there's not scenes. There's no scenes. It's just one conversation that just like rolls on and rolls into something different every 10 or 15 minutes. And that's so... Quite literally, before we sat down, I was like, "Okay, if we talk about what's our favorite scene, what's our favorite thing?" I was like, "I can't actually tell you various scenes, no, because like we've just said, there isn't." I do wonder, and I'm trying to remember. It's a movie with a 
about a bird, the um, bird costume guy that did Birdman. Uh, Birdman. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> is it filmed in such a similar way that they just did one, like oh, no. multiple takes? No. And made it cut so that it looks like one long shot, or is this truly like just long shots? This is just long shots. shots. Yeah, oh, okay. like now Birdman was as well, but yeah. Birdman was then edited in a way to make it all look like it was still one shot. Um, Nineteen Seventeen did something very similar, where it's like those are very long shots that they then stitched together to make to make it look like it's even an even yeah. longer shot. These these movies are just long shots. Long shots. Okay. Yeah. Of the two characters talking. But like the editing is very it's there. And it's like yeah. it's not trying to hide anything. It's not trying to stitch anything together. Um it's just it's the way that the conversation flows makes you think, oh, we ha- we're not doing a typical editing thing here because the conversation gets you from one spot to the next spot to the next spot. Yeah. And that's what you ride on, not like you know action or movement or whatever. But like, like they like they jump all over the city. Yeah, well, because I'm just thinking like not quite the first scene, but after they meet up in the bookshop and she's like, "Oh, I have a cafe that I really like. It's just around the corner. Like, let's go there and we'll catch up." And it's just like it feels like it's a 20 minute scene, and it's just them meandering through the streets of Paris, through the streets of Paris. Yeah. And stuff, and then it's a very clear change in scene once they get to sit down. Yeah. Because then yeah. it's now they're sitting across from each other. But yeah, no, I think I enjoyed that part of it because you do just feel like they are two people and you're just like a fly on the wall almost. Yeah. yeah. And you're just kind of watching them just be them. And I think like some people I think would probably be turned off by the fact that like all three of these movies are quite literally just these two characters talking yeah. to each other. Like there's there's obviously there's more characters in the third one I think. But even that once it hits I think like 25 30 minutes in the two of them break off and then it is basically them for the rest of the movie yeah. and like there's nobody else. In this one I don't think anyone has names. Like no. they get names yeah. and I don't think any other character in the movie There's like guy on bridge. Yeah. Like, like I don't think waitress. anyone else like, because it's quite literally just the two of them. When and that's what we're watching and we're here for the conversation. But like the conversation's so good. Yeah. It's so good. So when I was doing or prepping the Instagram post for this week's episode, I tend to do the hashtags of the various actors and I usually have like five or six and stuff. And I was doing this week's one and I was like, I have Ethan Hawke and her. <laughs> like yeah. can't tag anybody else in this movie because there's nobody else to that's tag. It. That's it. So. I would like to just say that I think before sunset is perfect. Is perfect. Yeah. Perfect movie. Yeah. Okay. Five out of five, perfect movie. I think I come to that sort of conclusion mostly because I like, again, I think the conversations are excellent, but I think when you compare it to the other two movies, this one, like everything is just better. I enjoy before so I love before sunrise I should say I, I more than enjoy it but in that one especially now as I get older I look back at that movie and sort of say to myself like oh these are two characters who you know they're in their early 20s they're probably still in college like they think they know things yeah 
but they actually don't know anything. And a lot of the conversation in that movie is like obviously about sex and things like that, but it's about wanting to have sex with each other and like hook up with each other because there's obviously an attraction and then obviously they spend the day together. I think in this movie, the conversations are better because they're just a little bit more mature. And so they're both like more open about certain things, but then more guarded about others. And like, there's obviously, there's a lot about sex in this movie, but there's not, I think, I think Ethan Hawke eventually says it. And it's like, they don't have to think of or feel that every sexual moment with somebody is like a life altering thing. Like it can just be one night. Yeah. And so like, they're much more open about that, but then they're way more guarded about like their personal life. Yes. And so like, that is what they have decided to protect, uh, especially from each other. And so for me, I think like the conversations are just better. And like the way that it's all written, the way it all comes together, you're just like, oh, this is, this is fucking peak level stuff. I think for me, this one's definitely my favorite out of the three. I just found because they were more comfortable together, I then was more comfortable watching them. Yeah. Which is just like, makes it more enjoyable for me. Um, So yeah, I think for me this time as well, when I was watching it, I was thinking back to our Lost in Translation and how much I disliked the two characters just kind of being to themselves and chatting and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I think for me, it's because I felt uncomfortable watching the two of them in their scenes together. I just couldn't picture them together. It just didn't seem genuine to me. Whereas in this one, I loved that it's only the two of them. I I wonder, like, does that maybe because Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy helped write this movie. I think so. And so therefore like they just know these characters inside and out. And yeah, I agree with you. I think they're especially from the opening moments, there is a like comfortableness, even though like we should say for anyone who hasn't seen before sunrise, there is a huge cliffhanger yes. at the end of that movie. And they ant like they wisely answer that cliffhanger within the first 15 minutes of this yeah. movie. Um, I think because like they, they must know that anyone who's coming to this movie has seen the first one and therefore has the exact same question that everyone who sees the first movie has. And that is, do they meet up again? And I think when you come to the second one, you have your answer. Like oh, before yeah. you watched it, you have, you have your answer yeah, on. Yeah. They definitely did. They, they met up or, or they know, didn't, or yeah. they didn't, or, yeah. One of them got there and the other one yep. flaked or whatever. Like you come in with your answer. So yeah, they needed to do it early. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think like what I think with the whole being comfortable with each other, is just really interesting because this movie takes place nine years later. Yeah. Um, they filmed it nine, like in real life and in the movie, it's nine years. I also love that they did that, that the time between the movies yeah. is actually the time yeah. in, in the story. I think that's great. So, well, I think like, that we can come to because I think there's obviously nine years is like a really nice number in terms of like lots and lots and lots can and does happen over nine years. Whereas if this had been five years or three years, three, like, yes, obviously lots can happen, but like these characters are in completely different places after nine years than they were. You know what I mean? But, but at the same time, if you had waited 15 years, it's almost too long. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, 
why would you still have the memory of the person after 15 years? You know what I mean? Like, so I think nine years is like a perfect amount, but yeah, like they answer the cliffhanger. And so like, what did you think of the fact that he went and she couldn't go? And well, so I was trying to remember, I came up with my own answer and I was like, they meet up because I couldn't quite remember all the details. Right. So I was like, they met up and they had maybe another great night together and something else happened and they couldn't stay together or whatever. And so when they answer the movie and they both kind of at first say, no, they couldn't meet up. Her grandmother died. And so she had to go to the funeral and he's like, oh yeah, I couldn't make it either. I didn't go. Yeah. And then she looks at him and she's like, you did go. Like she can just tell. Well, for, but first she's pissed off because she's yes. like, she's like, I couldn't go because my grandmother died, but you just decided not to go at all. And then, and then we get the reveal, the sort of his face drops, and you're sort of like, oh fuck, he did go. He did go. He did go. And it's like, yeah, and it's I, crushing. It's crushing. And then they even talk about how dumb that they were that they didn't change last names or phone numbers or emails or quite literally anything (laughs) but i think that that also goes to like the whole fantasy romance of the first one where it's sort of like yeah if you did do that and you just had this magical night with somebody i think you would believe that like yeah we'll leave it up to fate and sort of like no it's dumb like that is dumb (laughs) don't do that but exchange last names at least something at, something. At least I think, something i think i agree with the with the two of them where like they decide like let's not exchange too much information because then we'll write a few times or we'll call a few times and it'll sort of fizzle yeah. out i do agree with that but yeah the, the not exchanging any information so that poor jesse flies <laughs> two thousand <laughs> miles or whatever more than two thousand miles but you know flies halfway across the world and then she can't go because her grandmother has passed away you're sort of like, yeah, a phone number would come in handy at that point. You know what I mean? Like, hey, are you on your way in? Like, Or at least a last name. So he could have gone to Paris and said, something, like, tried something, to find her. Anything, anything. But I think what's so smart about the movie is not only do they answer that cliffhanger very, very early on, because we've all got the same question. They then immediately introduce a new mystery question of did they have sex in the first movie or not? And that then sort of oh yes goes through the second movie of like he thinks they did and he wrote he writes a book in which they do but she is convinced that they did not and you don't get the answer until the end of this movie yeah about you know whether or not they actually did or not but i think that that is so smart because it's, it's like in the first movie they don't show you yeah like they they obviously went back and watched the first one there and they were sort they must have latched onto that moment and said oh, we actually don't show a lot here. We can have that as a question. And for me, when they were discussing it, I was sitting there being like, well, they did. Because I think I had filled in in my head that they did. They were having the wine. They were on the lawn. And in my head, I was like, no, they would have had sex. They would have done it. Like, and stuff. So for me, having the question then, I then was sitting there being like, well, did they? Like, I was like trying to, like, I was then trying to think of my own head. So for me, I think what I also enjoyed about the first kind of reveal is that apart from her being annoyed uh, that he didn't show up, but he did, they then kind of just move on from that. Yeah. Like there's no resentment. He's not angry. Like they just are like, 
oh, this is what happened? Well, well oh, okay. <laughs> there's no resentment yet. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to resentment. But yes, I, I agree. Like the, I think there is this understanding with the two characters that like he is leaving. He only has, I think, what does the movie say? Like an hour or something yeah. like that. And like they want to reconnect. They want to catch up. And so you can't dwell on this thing that happened nine years ago because you would then spend the whole hour talking about that and sort of like, well, then yeah, what was the point? Like, you know what I mean? So I, I, I agree. Like, I think it is great that the two characters, you know, have this moment and then they both sort of laugh it off saying like, oh, I was so dumb that we didn't exchange anything. And then they just move on. Yeah. Move on to, you know, the conversation that they want to have and just wandering around Paris. I'm just going to say this right now. Okay. For any filmmakers who might be listening to the podcast, if you open your movie in Shakespeare and Co. <laughs> or feature it in any way, I'm going to give it good marks. Yeah? Yeah. Every time when this movie opens up in Shakespeare and Co., I'm like, God damn it. I want to go back right now. If you could wander, uh, this was going to be one of my questions for you, so I'll ask it now. If you could just wander a city for a night like they have and or a couple hours, where would you go? Well, it's that's hard to say because like I did that recently. I did that with London. I did that with New York. No, but you had a couple days there. If you quite yeah, literally only had only, seven hours. Oh, well, then I think if I only had seven hours, I'd want to go somewhere that I have gone and enjoy. Oh, okay. Because then I would sort of be like, I, I know I don't need to sort of concern myself with certain parts of the city or certain things that might be happening but yeah like paris would be up there again you'd go back fuck i think like we've talked about paris before on this podcast and i think i said something along the lines of like i didn't fully get it i didn't get the romanticism of paris until i went to paris this to me is like the perfect paris movie this is the movie that i think of when i think of paris because it is like you were saying where it is like it's the perfect setting to just wander around and have conversations because every 10 minutes you're going to be in a different neighborhood. Yeah. There's going to be something else to look at. There's, you know, a million cafes and bars that you can take a seat in and just people watch as things go by. There are things like Shakespeare and co where like <laughs> Christ, I could spend a day there and like, wouldn't even notice. Um, this, this movie talks about the fact that there's a loft upstairs and every time I watch it, I'm sort of like, I wonder how I could get myself in there. Like, just do they, they Airbnb? Yeah, like, like you know like, what I mean. Like, I don't <laughs> think they do, but like, could I sneak up there? Could you imagine? Like, the the problem with spending a night in Shakespeare and Co. would then be like, I'd be like, well, I'm gonna read a book, but then you go downstairs to the books and be like, well, I don't know how to choose one. Yeah, how do you so, pick? <laughs> like, how would I possibly pick one book from here? But um, yeah, I don't know. Par Paris would be in there. I love Dublin. Dublin would be in there. Like yeah. if I only had a couple hours to spend in one city, um, you know, I could hit, I, I have favorite spots in Dublin. Like I could hit them. Um, so that would be in there. But yeah, I think, I think the, the whole idea and like this movie in Vienna, um, the third movie, we're not really in a city per se, but, but these two movies, the first two movies, like this is how I travel. I, I go to these cities and I just wander around. I don't, sort of need to go into museums or, or the big tourist attractions. I quite literally just want to wander around. If there's somebody there to have a good conversation with, even better. But yeah, I just like to sort of, you know, start here. I'm going to end up there somewhere and I'm just going to walk 
the whole time. Sadly, I'm not this no. type of traveler. No, you're not at all. I am not. I am the person who You're an likes... itinerary person. I am an itinerary person. I am a person who likes to get into a city and kind of have the top places I want to go see. They're usually tourist spots. But I want to be this kind of person. Like, I would love to be able to go to a city and just wander around and see what I see. But I think I would then leave the city and be like, well, I didn't get to here. And right. like, I would fe- right. like, I would feel like I missed out on right. things. Right. And so that's why I plan and do the itinerary and stuff. I will say on our most recent trip, we went to London and we were in London for a couple of days and Chris and I both said like, let's not make plans. And so we didn't. You still went to Harry Potter for a day? For an afternoon. No, it was like a whole day. <laughs> It was like a whole day. Um, It kind of bit us in the butt a little bit because we kind of then didn't get to spend as much time at things that we wanted to. Yeah. Because we didn't have enough of a plan. Um, But I'm I'm trying. I'm trying to change my ways. I think it is. It's good to sort of obviously have a little bit of a mix of things. Like, I think the big thing for me when I travel, like, I'll speak to sort of my most recent trips. Like, for me, seeing the empire state building or you know statue of liberty or anything like that from new york like to me that's not new york yeah you know what i mean and so like your new york is a pizza slice on every corner exactly exactly (laughs) the new york that i want to experience is like multiple pizza slices a day and bookstores and you know a cool movie theater at night and like because i you know i'm probably wrong in thinking like this you know 100% all the time but when I get into these cities I just want to sort of live like a local a little bit and so like I don't think the New Yorkers are going to see the Statue of Liberty (laughs) that's fair you know what I mean so like yeah you know that's not to say that I probably shouldn't go see it myself because you know I don't live there I don't have the option of doing it whenever but at the same time it is sort of like I I just like to try and live like a local as you know best that i can possibly perceive it and so yeah like when i get into these cities i just want to wander around now it is it does come with some awkward moments or whatever along the way of like i was also in london and visiting our cousin who lives there and he was so desperate to show me a good time yeah that like he really wanted to bring me to places but every time he asked me what i wanted to do or see i'd sort of just be like well let's just go to a pub yeah. <laughs> and he, okay. okay. Yeah. Like, but like, that's what I wanted to do in London. Like I wanted to see him and then just like hang out. Yeah. Have and a drink somewhere. That's what we did. Yeah. And so like, I look back on those two or three days that I was in London. I was like, great success. But he's probably sitting there being like, Kieran didn't see this. He didn't see this. And like, it, for me, he probably wanted to see them because I would say he might not see them without showing them to someone exactly because i find that that's us here yeah when our family would come over it's oh they want to go see niagara falls and it's like well actually we don't go go see it yeah couldn't tell you the last time i went without family and stuff i don't think i've ever been up the cn tower i think i went up once with our cousin and when our grandma I think grandma was out and I went up and hated every minute of it because I don't do heights. I don't think I've ever um, been up there. But yeah. So because I we have another cousin. I was talking to him recently and he was going over. He lives in Galway going over to Dublin for kind of a weekend. And he's like, well, I've got some time to kill. He's like, maybe I'll do the Guinness storehouse. Yeah. He's like, 
I've never done it before. Yeah. I was like, you've never, and I was like, I've done it three times. Like, but it's because once again, for him, it's kind of always there whenever he does want to do it. So I have a few more points on Before Sunset. I, I don't think we actually have talked about the movie all that much, but like, <laughs> we've talked of, about us traveling. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard. Like I don't know. Like I just watch these movies and I'm sort of like, oh, take me back. Like I would love to go back and just again wander around. But towards the end of the movie, you said that there was no resentment <laughs> when they first meet up and yes. they, you know, they realize, oh, he went and she couldn't go and all this sort of stuff. I think that there is a little bit of resentment when we get to the end of the movie because this is what I was trying to articulate earlier on or whatever about this movie specifically where I think both of the characters they obviously talk so much and they say so much like it's a 88 minute movie and it's basically one conversation but at the same time like they don't actually say all that much yeah until she asks him about his wife and his child at that moment he talks about his child but he kind of is a little aloof about the wife and then that starts to get peeled away and then Celine comes in and she starts talking about relationships that she's in and we do quickly come to the realization and the characters come to the realization or at least vocalize that like that night in Vienna kind of ruined each other for everybody else yeah because they hold up that night as like the ideal perfect romantic evening and nobody can stack up and he is in a marriage that he kind of is done with and you know is looking for an exit strategy but he has this child she is in a relationship where it sounds like the guy is away all the time and she loves that and she loves the fact <laughs> yeah. that you know she can she can kind of be like yeah i have a boyfriend but he's never here i have a cat though i have a cat <laughs> yeah uh, as you know <laughs> i'm i'm like as she was saying this i was like god damn it, i'm so close to getting a cat <laughs> but the um i do think like for me that's where this movie really tips over to being like oh this is fantastic because you're not doing the like nine years later we meet up again and we just have another good time it's like oh no these characters now have something to say to each other and like they hold each other sort of not accountable but like they hold each other sort of um, responsible maybe yeah. for how the last nine years have, have played out for themselves. And they, they get real for a minute. And that's that for me, though, those moments there when it's sort of like, oh, these two need to be together. Yeah, Like more, more so than anything else. It's like, no, these two, there's something here that they need to see out. I think for me, kind of on that point of them kind of, moving on but not moving on really like i'm glad that nine years later that both of them are in relationships yeah maybe it's not relationships that they want to be in but i think it would have rang false to me if nine years later neither of them were in a relationship neither of them had dated anybody else oh yeah, yeah right yeah, like yeah. and they yeah, had just absolutely yeah like kind of held themselves distant from other people because yeah. i would have been like well i don't think like that, that, that would have happened. That yeah. would have happened. Yeah. Like in nine years, you would have found somebody else that maybe you weren't as madly in love with as you were the other person. But like you would have had so, another a companion, experience. a companionship yeah. almost or yeah. something. Yeah. So, but yeah, I then him talking about his wife and his kid mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You do kind of just feel a bit bad for him that clearly he's in 
in a situation that he doesn't want to be in. Well, so. and like the the other thing about you know that revelation that he's in a, a marriage that he's sort of not happy with is like this is right around the exact same time that he and Uma Thurman yes, divorced, and so then you're sort of like, how is this him? Sort of, I think it was a year earlier. This movie comes out from the divorce. Maybe they were already separated or whatever. But you're sort of like, is this is this Ethan Hawke or yeah. is this Jesse? Like, <laughs> who who's revealing this information right now? And so, yeah, it is. I think those are like those are some of the best moments in this movie. Is when the two of them. I think it's when they're both on the boat. Yeah. And then when when they get off and they're in the car and she sort of is like you fucking ruined me <laughs> like that ru- that night ruined me for the rest of men and people um did they help write they only helped write this one right like they didn't help well write so the first one the, or did they i think the rumors are and i don't think they're necessarily the rumors at this point but there was richard linklater and a writing partner wrote the first one and then when julie delpy and ethan hawk came on board i think there was substantial rewrites that they had lots of influence on and um i think to this day julie delpy is a little bit disappointed that they weren't given credit on the first movie the second one it was the three of them so it was linklater hawk and delpy came together and i think in the third one as well the third one was the three of them again coming together you know do we have an idea for this third one Yes, we do. Okay, let's let's yeah. go with it. And so, yeah, I think I think you can sort of see, especially with this second one, of like they know these people inside and out. They know exactly how they would react and what they would say, and you know their their temperaments and things like that. And I think it totally comes across. A little moment that I picked up on this time around that I don't know if I'd ever fully seen before. Okay, when he. Brings her back to the her apartment and, you know, they're going to say goodbye or whatever. And, you know, it, it turns into, well, I'm going to walk her to her door and I'm going to walk her upstairs. And, you know, maybe I'll come in for a, a cup of tea and things like that. And, you know, they're, they're quite... Oh, play me a song. Yeah, like yeah. They're, they're quite clearly... the Both of them are prolonging this goodbye because they don't want to say goodbye and all that sort of stuff. They walk up the stairs to her apartment. And because I had watched the two movies... So like almost back to back, like so close together. I was immediately reminded of the moment when they first get off the train in Vienna. And so, you know, before that moment, they've had quite a good and long conversation on the train and everything seems to be pretty comfortable and, you know, they're making jokes and all this sort of stuff. And then he invites her off the train to spend the night in Vienna with him. And it cuts to them sort of awkwardly walking side by side. And they, I think they both mention how, you know, it's a little awkward now because yeah, all of she's a sudden, carrying his, her bag yeah, and he kind of awkwardly takes it. Yeah. And, like they're all of yeah. a sudden, all of a sudden there feels like there's some pressure yeah. because she has decided to get off the train with him. And I think the awkwardness or the moment is like, they've both just entered into something that they both project as like, this could be a big deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like nothing's happened yet. This will either be great or this will be terrible. Something could happen here. Fast forward to them walking up the stairs to her apartment in this movie. And it's the exact same walk. It's that slow kind of awkward walk. And I was like, you know what? I think it's because both of them have decided something's going to happen here. And it's going to be big. 
for one of them, it's going to be probably the end of a marriage. Yeah. And for the other one, it's going to be this, you know, instant new relationship with somebody that she hasn't known or talked to in nine years. And they both kind of awkwardly walk up the stairs together. And I think it's, I don't know if it was a conscious thing on their part or whatnot, but like watching the movies so close together, I was like, oh, that's the exact same walk. It's the exact same walk. They're both, it's very slow. It's, they're not speaking to each other. It's very quiet. They're kind of not looking at each other. And you're sort of like, oh, it's because they they both know they're about to enter something here that's big. This is going to have a ripple effect on the rest of their lives, much like her getting off the train in the first movie. Hmm. I did not pick up on that, but you're just saying how they kind of aren't looking at each other. I'm looking back at like some screenshots of the movie and they spend their time looking at each other. Oh, yeah. Like. If one person's talking and looking forward, the other person is always looking at the other one and stuff like that. So that's kind of interesting that they're, they're that at, moment they're they're not. Well, so like there are there are other moments, you know, to to go off what you're saying there of like you can find the screenshots of like, you know, she's looking off in the first movie and he goes to like touch her head or something, you know, what I mean? like stroke yeah. her head. Uh, but then he like pulls back. And then in this movie, he's the one who's looking off and she, you know, go and like they do call back to each other in terms of like, there is a, obviously like it's the, the romantic movies and there's a third one. So we know something happens, Yes, <laughs> but like there is quite clearly this connection between the two that like is a little unspoken at times, even though they have some of the best conversations ever. What I found interesting in this one, they never kiss for a romantic movie. Nope. They never kiss in this movie but i think that's because they're both in relationships yeah. until the end of the movie even though like they have conversations about you know going to a hotel room and having sex for days yeah you know what i mean <laughs> i think that even though there's obviously a grain of truth in there because they're both you know interested in each other there is also that little bit of like you can have that conversation with somebody that you've known for a long time because it is sort of like, it is a joke. Yeah. Yes, we are joking. You know what I mean? Like, even if there's a little bit of truth in there, it's ultimately a joke. But yeah, I think, I think because they're in relationships and, and, you know. Don't want to kind of cross. Well, yeah. Like, don't cross that line. <laughs> it is nine years later. And like, it's the, the meeting in this movie is not nearly as organic as the meeting in the first movie. And so you are sort of like on tiptoes a little bit in terms of like, you know, what can you say? What can you do? Like yeah. how sort of physical can you get? There's a little bit of questioning around that a little bit until the very end of the movie where it's quite clear. It's like, oh no, like you're both, you're in this now. And for me, I think this is just a great, great ending. Can you remember the first time that you saw this? Because it is a bit of an unconventional ending. Like it does kind of just fade out. I will say both of them kind of, the first two both kind of, but at least, the, at least the first, like the first one ends with him going to the airport and her getting back on the train. Like, yeah, that's a natural point of like, they both have to leave now. This one ends with her dancing and him just staring at her. This one, <laughs> this one just quite literally ends with them being like, yeah, her dancing. And then it just like fades out to black. Now there is, there's a, a couple lines of dialogue in there that I think make it a great ending. But yeah, it does kind of just like end. Yeah. I... Don't remember the first time, but I think for me, because the whole trilogy, I do just feel like a fly on the wall for them and their relationship. It felt 
natural to me. If they had had some big romantic moment or yeah, anything like that, once again, it would have rang false. Yeah. So for me, it is just like, oh, he's clearly not getting on the plane. Yeah. Um. So they're just going to spend the rest of the day or the rest of the evening just, once again, sitting in the room, chatting, talking, doing whatever, and maybe... Maybe coming up with a game plan on how they're both going to end relationships, but um. <laughs> I think what we find out from the third movie is that they didn't spend that much time doing that. But um, but yeah, so for me, it just yes, it's abrupt or it's an odd ending, but it felt natural to me. So I think the the reason that I love the ending so much and I love the way that they decide to end the movie is that by this stage, you are so clearly on board with the two of them being together, despite everything that we've learned, despite you know everything that's going on, you just want these two to be together in whatever fashion you, you want them to go to bed together. You want Jesse to stay all this sort of stuff. The movie gives you none of that. Yeah. But then also like, once you think about it for a second, you're like, Oh no, it gave me all of that. Like her line about you're going to miss the plane. And he says, I know with a smile on his face. It's yeah. like, yeah, he had no intention of getting on the plane. Yeah. He probably had no intention of getting on the plane from the minute he saw her in the bookstore. Yeah. He was like, I'm not going home. I want to talk to her for a bit. And then if I get the vibe that I think I'm going to get, I'm I'm staying. Yeah. And that's that. And like, I think that's what makes it a great ending. Because it's, it's, it's not similar in terms of like a big sort of mystery question mark that the first one is. But at the same time, it, it gives you that thing of like, ah, but did he stay? I think he stayed. Maybe he stayed, but maybe he went home. I don't know. Like, are you still they... kind of have some questions? Yeah, still some questions a little bit. And I, I just think like, if it was only two movies and we never got answers, I think that would have been fun to sort of spend the last fifteen years being like, did he stay though? What happened? To what him? happened yeah. to the two of them? And I think you know once I mean? again we would have just filled it in. Yeah. With our own absolutely our own thoughts based absolutely. on if you're a cynic or a romantic. So. So I didn't watch Before Midnight before recording this, and and I don't think I'm going to in the next little while. No? <laughs> no. I think I for this one, I just really wanted to rewatch the first two. I don't necessarily have anything against Before Midnight. I think it's fantastic. Um, but you did rewatch it. So yeah. sort of just quick fire thoughts. What did you think of Before Midnight? It's my least favorite, partly because you do get introduced to other characters. And like we've said, not for very long. They're kind of in it for maybe the first half tops yeah things like the first half hour and stuff and they have like a really good scene where they're all sitting around the table yeah it's they're in a relationship um there's there's like three other couples yeah there's a new couple who have only been dating for a year yeah and then another kind of married couple who have had a couple kids and things like that and they're just chatting about life i will say yeah it's my least favorite i probably identify with them more in the third one, because they aren't married, but they are in a relationship. They've had kids. His son from the previous marriage has come and spent yep. six weeks with them. And you do get to just see them dealing with life now at this point. So she's got a really great job. He feels like he's left his son behind and wants to move to the States because he feels like he's missing out on that time with yep. his kid. Yep. And you get the kid who's there being like, yeah, I know you really want to come see me in the recital in the fall, 
but that's gonna be really tough on mom so maybe you don't come yeah the, well like yeah now his son again the nine-year jump means that like things have happened his yeah. son who is so young in the first movie is 14 i think yeah like he would be aware yeah. of what's going on a little bit more than if again if you'd done five years and he was like seven or eight yeah and so like i think for me for the kid part at least i can kind of remember us growing up and having the thought sometime being like well if i invite mom to this dad will be there with Lori and like well what will she think or like oh if I invite dad here or like what will other people think if I invite my parents who aren't together yeah to this and so like I could I could totally see where the kid was coming from and like wanting to keep everybody happy um their big fight at the hotel I was sitting there being like oh my god are they is this the end of them because I honestly couldn't remember how it all finished and well, so I think that's what most people when they talk about the third movie, they talk about the fact that there is, like, a 40-minute argument. Yeah, it's about 28 minutes, I yeah, think, on the like, trivia, it says. It is insane. And, like, again, for as natural feeling as the conversations flow in the first two movies, this argument feels really natural. Yeah. Where it's, like, one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, and then all of a sudden you're in this, like, catastrophic fight yeah. that you did not expect to happen. And I think watching it again... You know she's still in on the relationship because every time she storms out, she does take the key so that she can let herself back in. And it's that last time when she's like, I don't think I love you anymore. And she puts down the key and leaves. And I'm just there being like, she going to knock on the door? Like, please knock on the door. Please come back. Like, Well, I think, so I didn't, I haven't rewatched it. And so I, I can't sort of speak to that much about it. But there is a moment in Before Sunset where she talks about the fact that, or she she questions why people and couples are so afraid of fights, that sometimes a fight can be good for a relationship, that it gets things out in the open, it gets things off your chest, you know. And if you're supposed to be together, you can move on from it. Get it out in the open, you can both learn, you can both grow from it, and then you can move on. That is how I choose to watch or think about this third movie, where it's like, yes, there are things that have been building up yeah. because they talked about it in both of the previous movies where it's like, eventually you would get used to my habits or you'd get used to how I do things. And then that would annoy you and that would spiral. Then we learn to hate each other, or whatever. It's like, that does happen. That is pretty natural in most relationships. But I think I, I choose again, the room I'm, this is my romantic <laughs> side with these movies. I choose to believe that like, yes, they just needed to have this big blow up, this big fight. And then, you know, they go it's away. Like it's kind of the reset. Yeah, and then it's like a reset. Yeah, yeah. They go away for a couple of minutes, cooler heads prevail. And then it's a reset. And, you know, the movie does end with the two of them together again. Yep. Now, when I say together again, like they're sitting beside each other. We don't know what they're going to do tomorrow. Yeah. Um, But they are together. And so I choose to believe that, like, yes, despite this fight, despite everything that they say to each other, they decide, you know what? Reset, restart, and we, we pick it up tomorrow. Do you think we'd ever get a fourth movie out of them? So we've missed the nine years. We have missed the nine years. We've missed the nine years. So, yeah, they, they do these movies every nine years. And so I think the Before series is finished. I would not rule out in 10 years 
20 years, whatever, an after series. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I think that all three of them, Richard Linklater, Ethan Hawke, and Julie Delpy, I think they all truly love these characters so much that they would never, ever come together to make a movie without actually having something to say or something to explore with these characters. I do think, though, you know, they're all at a stage of life now where it's like they're 50, 60 years old. Life turns again. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you, you're you're not having kids anymore, but now your kids are having kids. Yeah. And so, like, there's another transition. There's another, you know, set of stories that could potentially happen. Like, listen, if if the three of them decide to come together and make a fucking Doritos commercial. <laughs> you would watch I'm that. watching it. You know what I mean? Like, I am watching it. And so, like, if they come back to make a movie, like. You're there night one. That will be my most anticipated movie of whatever year that is going to be. Um, I just hope that we're still making movies then. Yeah, when that's it, Whenever true. that happens, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I, w- I would not rule out a sort of an after uh, series. I think one more, like we said, in ten, however many years, as kind of just like a final wrap up of the characters. Because once again, I'm sitting here creating stories, yep. being like, yep. I think they're back together. I think maybe in another 10 years maybe they had another big blowout about whatever the past 10 years was about and that's them just once again resetting and just every 10 years they have a blowout a reset for a night and then they move forward so well should we tease next week uh it's something with tom cruise (laughs) yeah next week is definitely something with tom cruise um next week i can't tease it i don't think i've ever seen it so oh well next week uh, there are definitely conversations. They're not nearly as long as the conversations in the before series um, or as romantic. But yeah, it is it is Tom Cruise uh, in, a, in a futuristic setting. I'll say that as well. Slightly futuristic. So we'll see everybody next week. See you then. Mm-hmm.